0: Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique, specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class, holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve
1: their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr. Rayleigh Lu on the socials. Getting pregnant. We're joined, as usual, with Dr. Rayleigh Lu from Women's Health Melbourne. Hi, Rayleigh. Hi. Today we're talking about same-sex sex conception. We're going to start with male, which in Australia is a fairly quick one, and then go into female, which is something you you work on quite a lot. Um, so let's start with same-sex couples trying to conceive with a male couple. In my practice, I don't see that many male couples
0: for help getting pregnant um, and having a baby, starting a family. And the reason for that is probably the legal environment in Australia. When a male same-sex couple want to start a family – Really, it's fairly complicated in that they need, if if they're going to have a genetic connection to a baby, they need an egg donor. One of the couple will provide sperm and they'll need a, a surrogate to carry the pregnancy. And the reason that in Australia that's not all that common is that our laws on both egg donation and surrogacy are fairly strict uh, and there are good reasons for that, but the reality is that for many kind of male same sex couples, it's a lot of an easier pathway to go overseas for help, or to adopt, yeah. or to adopt, or to foster, uh, or to have a donor with a known donor and a known surrogate. That does happen sometimes, but the reality is that surrogacy is a very big deal, and. In Australia, you're not allowed to advertise for a surrogate, you're not allowed to remunerate a surrogate. Uh, It's what we call altruistic, which means a surrogate carries a pregnancy for nine months and gives birth to a baby without any significant financial compensation. So there aren't that many women who are putting their hands up to do that in this environment. In other countries like America, there's a very well-worn path, a well-travelled path, Uh, that same-sex male couples can access.
1: It's sort of been commercialised. So you can pay your way to have borrow a womb for nine months. It's
0: a really difficult topic because the reason that surrogacy is not commercially available in Australia is that we're very worried about exploitation of women and we're very worried about I guess there being a financial power imbalance... ...between the surrogate and the recipient parents. It's such a difficult thing, isn't it? And um, I don't know what the right answer is... ...but clearly by the very small numbers of surrogate pregnancies... ...that occur in Australia, uh, it's it's just not happening here.
1: Before we move on to um, same-sex female couples who are trying to conceive... It might be good to discuss what the laws are around um, using donor egg and donor sperm. So for men there's a lot involved around surrogacy but let's stripping it right back to the sperm and the egg. What, how does it work in Australia? So
0: my practice is in Victoria and I'm going to talk to the laws specifically in Victoria but Victoria is very representative of Australia as a whole. In Victoria when you donate egg and sperm... For any reason, it is what we call altruistic, which means that you do it to help another person to do a good deed out of the goodness of your heart. You don't expect financial remuneration for donation. So egg donors are not paid to donate their eggs. Sperm donors are not paid to donate their sperm. They can be compensated uh, for their time with what's called a reasonable amount and for sperm donors at the moment, that's currently in the range of about two to $300. So it's not a lot. For egg donors, it's a little more complicated because in order to donate eggs, you have to go through an IVF-style process in order to collect them. So what usually happens is that if someone is donating to a particular couple, that couple will cover the medical expenses of the egg donor. But again, they won't be remunerated for their donation and they won't be compensated financially in a significant way. So really the only reason that people donate eggs and sperm in Victoria is to help someone else.
1: So there's no commercial benefit. It's that someone has something that they can use to help someone else and it's not about getting anything back.
0: Yeah, and so what what donors get back is the satisfaction from having... Given an amazing gift uh, to someone who who really wants to have a baby, but there's no commercial gain.
1: So, if you're two women trying to conceive, what would the what's the process from the beginning? Because you, I suppose you you've got the egg, you've got the womb. So, how would you go about getting the sperm? There's lots of options, and in terms of a same-sex
0: female couple, there's a lot of things that. Uh, Couples have probably decided and had meaningful long discussions... ...about way before they get a referral to see a doctor. So things like who might carry the baby because there's a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes couples both want to carry a baby... ...and then it's about who's going to carry first. And that decision is obviously a personal, not a medical decision. And there are also decisions about the kind of donor... ...that a couple chooses and there's a lot of options. Sometimes a couple will want to choose a known donor... ...so someone that they know. Some couples choose a donor who's a family member of one of them... uh, ...the person who the egg is not coming from... uh, ...so that they can both have a genetic connection to the baby. Sometimes it doesn't suit a couple to have a known donor. Perhaps there's no one in their lives that they'd like to ask... Or perhaps they just don't want the ongoing involvement of someone who might want to be kind of more of a a co-parent style person
1: in the child's life. I've certainly heard that from friends um, who are in same-sex relationships where perhaps a female, a female couple has asked a man to provide sperm but they've always had very clear ideas on person's involvement with the baby's life and that's where probably using anonymous sperm would help because that person isn't involved.
0: Uh, Possibly and and, you know what's right for one couple is not necessarily what's right for another but I would also encourage women to consider if there is a known donor to still involve a clinic because at Melbourne IVF where I help my patients... We've got a really established and very professional counselling service. And when a known donor presents for treatment, they have a full counselling session, um, actually two full counselling sessions over time with our counsellors. And that helps really clarify and also legally the process helps really clarify the role of the donor in the assisted conception so it's, it's very clear after the counselling that a donor is a donor and not a co-parent legally. And if that doesn't sit well with a couple and their donor, it would be flagged that maybe there's an issue and perhaps maybe it's not best to proceed uh, if there are issues with the relationship. Involving a clinic just gives couples the kind of safety and reassurance that they're having professional advice,
1: and it's, and it's just a few more checks, isn't it? It's the same process as when a, a another couple is having IVF. It's the same the process of going through counselling and making sure that everyone's okay with with what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Look, as an as a fertility specialist, I love treating same sex female couples because often they're not infertile. So it's a breath of fresh air. It's generally quite not always. There's always you can you can be a same-sex couple and have issues, but in general, it's quite easy to help same-sex couples conceive if they present at a reasonably young age, and uh, they really want to have a baby. And you know, generally, I mean, it's it's making a a um a sweeping generalisation, but generally, they're really good people who really want to have a baby, and they've thought about it and. You know they're committed, and and it's it's a genuine joy to help women in that situation, and it it's often easy to help them with simple measures. So many of my patients who are in a same-sex relationship, I'll do all the due diligence and I'll check them out and do all of the tests that I do for an infertile couple, but. Uh, the reality is, they haven't had months and months of trying without getting pregnant, and a lot have normal fertility. So there are many same-sex female couples that I can help with insemination, as opposed to IVF. And um, and it's it's not everybody will conceive that way, but it's it's generally a very successful method, a low-risk method, and a high-yield method.
1: What if you don't have a donor?
0: So if you don't have a donor that you bring to the equation. Uh, A same-sex female couple, just like a single woman in the same situation, um, can access a clinic-recruited donor. And we do, with sperm donation, have many more clinic donors than with egg donation, mainly because it's easier for men to donate sperm than it is for women to donate eggs. And uh, our sperm donors are diverse. Uh, Sometimes, as a clinic, we actually undertake a sperm donor drive, so we'll undertake ...advertising campaigns to attract donors. There was a very cute one for that Melbourne IVF did a while ago... ...with um, a picture of kind of this buff lifeguard on the beach... Um, ...you know, kind of advertising that we're looking for great swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> cute. cute. But um, men who donate sperm... ...you know, they come from a variety of backgrounds... Perhaps they themselves were donor conceived, perhaps they've had a family and they've needed help and they've wanted to help other people or they've uh, known someone in that situation. We do in our kind of gay and lesbian community have a lot of gay donors who might not be having their own family and who might want to help other people. Uh, We have a variety of donors, a lot of donors are overrepresented in the fields of, of work that ...do serve the community. So,
1: you know, policemen, firemen, um, other kind of service roles. and because They've got something in them about helping... ...and so this is another way that they, they can serve the community.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, and a lot of people when they choose a donor may... ...and this, this happens more than you would necessarily expect. I mean, you kind of think about choosing a donor. How would I choose my donor? Would I choose them on education or occupation... ...or physical characteristics... Some people do choose a donor on those, those grounds, especially if, if a patient comes from a particular ethnic group and they might want the baby to look a bit like them and things like that. But a lot of my patients choose their donor on the basis of the donor statement. And when our, when our donors donate, our clinic recruited donors, they often write a statement as to why they donated in the first place. And it's through those statements I think that you really get to see their motivation and personality and many patients uh, in my practice have selected their donor, Uh, the clincher has been that statement.
1: So they get to know the person a little bit rather than a a superficial characteristic?
0: Yeah, and look, with a clinic-recruited donor, we do kind of disclose any medical conditions they have themselves. We also test them for a variety of sexually transmitted infections and other genetic conditions We ask them to disclose their family history, so not just their medical history, but the history of conditions in their family. But everyone's got a medical history and everyone's got a family history of something. So a lot of the time people choose
1: donors based on other things. When it comes to family size, how many people can have the same donor? In Victoria,
0: the legislation states that up to 10 families can be created using one donor. So that's the same for egg and sperm. So technically speaking, that includes a donor's own children if they have them. And if the donor has children to two different women, then that would actually constitute two allocations. So they'd be able to donate to eight other families. So uh, that's the definition in Victoria. Other states are more restrictive. Like, for example, in WA, a donor can only donate to five to form five families. I think that has been decided in WA because of the population and that it's smaller.
1: I was going to say is a population size because obviously over on the East Coast the population is much bigger.
0: The problem that we're trying to avoid is, say, donor-conceived individuals, you know, getting together and wanting to form their own families. And so you, you do have to restrict how many... Families can be formed from one person's donation, and that number is, to some degree, arbitrary, and it's just
1: been decided in Victoria that it's that it's ten. If you've got a known donor, what are the advantages of using a clinic? Or, or don't, yeah. What would be the advantage of using a clinic if you do have a donor, known donor?
0: So, if if you have a known donor, in theory, if you've got two fertile women and you've got a known donor, uh, there. are certain ways you can try and get pregnant. So uh, it's unusual to try by intercourse, but it's possible. Uh, But a popular method is self-insemination. So you can actually, if you get the timing right around your ovulation, you can ask your donor to be kind of on duty and uh, produce a sample and inject it with a syringe and try and get pregnant. And that's feasible. It's difficult. And you've got to remember that... Even in naturally fertile women, the chance of getting pregnant each month is about one in five, even if there's no issues. And of course, the donor sperm may or may not be top-notch. It may be perfect, it may be imperfect, just like anyone else. But there are many babies conceived in that way. Um, It can, in a normal couple trying to get pregnant in a heterosexual context, take many months to get pregnant. And while the donor might be available stat when you're ovulating (laughs) um, on one or two occasions. It is a big commitment over a longer period of time if things aren't happening immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, while you are using a donor, that donor has a life and, you know, may have partners, may contract sexually transmitted infections, may give them to you. Mm -hmm. So there are risks. Or may change their mind. Or may change their mind. So, look, there are risks and... A way that the clinic can make that a lot safer is A, by offering counselling a priori and making sure that the donor knows what they're in for and, you know, is the right person for you and you're the right kind of couple for them. But then also we can store sperm and we can take the donor out of the equation in terms of the logistics of getting pregnant.
1: So this was going to be my, my next question around the size of your family when you've when you've got one and you want more and do you decide that before you have the first one? about storing the sperm? Yeah, look, I often, when
0: I see a couple and I'm trying to help them get pregnant, I talk to them about how many babies they want and that's something that is completely um, outside of the same-sex context. I mean, it's, I do that for everybody yeah. and um, it just helps us be a bit strategic. You know, we kind of think, okay, so what are our goals? And if our goals are to help you have, you know, two or three children, we think, okay, so how old are you now and what can we do to improve those odds? And um, sometimes it influences the kind of treatment we undertake and sometimes it doesn't. And um, it's very individual. But certainly it's something that's worth thinking about. With a known donor, specifically with insemination, uh, one advantage is there's no limit to how many inseminations in a clinic context that we can do. Whereas with clinic-recruited donor sperm, if you don't get pregnant after X number of cycles, uh, the clinic will gently move you on to IVF. So one advantage of having a known donor is that we can actually store as much sperm as we like and we can try using a, a less invasive technique of insemination for as many cycles as we want to and, and that's a clear advantage uh, because IUI in a fertile woman will generally eventually result in a pregnancy and it's much less invasive and expensive than IVF. In a couple who are using a a clinic-recruited sperm donor at Melbourne IVF right now, uh, after two cycles of insemination with with assistance, so often with an insemination cycle, I'll give a bit of medication to try and increase the number of eggs available and and that does very mildly increase the chance of twin pregnancy but it certainly increases the chance of conception in general from IUI um, to try and up the chance that, that a patient will conceive. But... After two cycles with clinic-recruited donor sperm, unfortunately, because there is a limited supply of clinic-recruited donor sperm, uh, we need to move on to the more high-yield procedure of IVF in that context, Uh, whereas if a couple bring their own donor, we can do as many IUIs as we want to. And the only reason to escalate to IVF is if after kind of six
1: months things aren't working. So the same as if you were um, trying naturally. When we've talked about... Um, infertility with a heterosexual couple. We've talked about tests for the male and the female. Would there be tests for both in a same-sex couple? So there are routine tests that we do for
0: partners in a same-sex couple. They're basically screening for sexually transmitted infections. Uh, But if I'm dealing with a same-sex couple, I will ask about their long-term family planning. And if both are in the future planning to carry sequentially and both have a baby, then I will potentially investigate both members of the couple. So, and that's just to find out so we don't get any nasty surprises down the line. And so it really depends on you and what you want to do as a couple uh, in terms of how far do we take it. Certainly for the woman who's going to carry the baby and especially if that's the same woman whose egg we're going to use, which isn't always the case... <laughs>
1: So what? Okay, so maybe that's something else. Is yeah, what we can talk about
0: that. But um, yeah, egg, egg kind of intra couple egg donation. But if if the same woman is, is using her egg and carrying a baby, then you know we might do some genetic testing. We'll do the routine fertility tests, the routine antenatal screening tests, um, some genetics looking for cystic fibrosis carrier status and, and other kind of common genetic conditions because we won't want to pick a donor with the same carrier status so we want to reduce the risk of having a baby with a serious health condition if someone's got a, a negative blood group you might want to choose a negative donor so because we, we have the option when it, when it's with a couple who are romantically connected and want to have a baby together then they bring two sets of DNA to the table that um, is a bit of a you know under most circumstances it's it's there's a there's a deal breaker of changing that up but um in the same set couple who are choosing a donor There might be certain things we look for in a donor from a medical perspective and we have the option of, if you do have a negative blood group, choosing a a donor with a negative blood group so you won't have any issues of potential incompatibility in a pregnancy. So it's not, you know, kind of, um, you know, design a baby but it's just, you know, sensible avoidance of risk factors.
1: Yeah, which which you would do anyway if you knew that information before you tried to conceive in a heterosexual couple.
0: And I would do that, the same kind of screening process... ...in in a single woman trying to conceive with donor sperm. So uh, there there are those things. Also, so we talked about donating between couples, uh, you know, egg donation. Uh, Sometimes there are same-sex female couples... ...where the person who wants to carry the baby... ...might have infertility because of age. And um, you can actually in that scenario uh, donate an egg to your partner. So you can be both a parent... And an egg donor. So the situation becomes quite complicated.
1: <laughs> well, I suppose it's also nice though that if one of the partners is in struggling with infertility that it, at least they're using the genetic material from the other parent. Yeah. And you
0: can do it just because you want to as well. And there are some couples out there who um, one person might want to carry with their partner's egg. Yeah. And that's also possible. Uh, it is more expensive to do it that way, but it is possible.
1: If that's what they feel will make their family, then that's, that's a possibility. What if you've decided that both of you will carry children sequentially, one after the other, and you want them to have the same sperm, father, (laughs) sperm, Um, how, how does that work?
0: So you can actually put aside a donation of sperm that's specifically saved for your partner. That just has to be organised beforehand with the clinic because of the number of allocations. In Victoria, up until now, just with the wording of the legislation, uh, the allocations is to form families, but the definition is, is that one allocation is for one woman. So actually a lesbian couple who want to have the same donor actually at this point required two allocations. So the only reason you couldn't... Do that with a clinic-recruited donor.
1: If the donor only had one allocation left? Yeah.
0: Okay. So you might take that into account when you're selecting your donor and make sure that they've got enough allocations and then the clinic can actually, at your request, put an allocation aside for your partner.
1: Sperm on hold. Yes, sperm in the bank. (laughs) The birth certificate. Who is legally the parent of the children, the child?
0: So this is another advantage of going through a clinic... ...even if you've got a known donor. If you go through a clinic, it's very clear in terms of the legal process... ...that a donor is a donor and that they're not kind of a de facto parent... ...or, you know, kind of a a genetic co-parent. So in same-sex female couples... Uh, if um, they have presented to a clinic to have a baby together, even with a known donor, it's very clear that both mums will have their name on the birth certificate and um, so there are no issues with that. Legally, the child has two mothers and that's that's it. Yeah, A donor is a donor, not a co-parent. Now, sometimes when you have a known donor, uh, you might have a relationship with that person and they may want some involvement in your child's life. And as a same-sex female couple, you know, you might... ...think about who's going to be the male role model in in your child's life... ...and you might be quite happy with that. And and that's to be worked out at an interpersonal level. That's not a medical decision. That's a social kind of issue and a friendship issue and a relationship issue. Uh, But from a legal perspective and a medical perspective... uh, ...the two mums are on the birth certificate... ...and that's who has parental legal rights over the child...
1: So there's no no law around the parent who gave birth is the legal guardian and the other parent has to adopt from birth. both Both have equal rights.
0: That's right and both are on the birth certificate and just like when a mother gives birth in a heterosexual relationship, it doesn't mean that she's got more custodianship over the child. It's the same in a lesbian relationship.
1: At the end of each episode, we drive people to the... Women's Health Melbourne website for more information about you and your practice. In the case of donor sperm and eggs and um, same-sex conception, where else is a resource for information? So I do have quite a lot of information on my website, so you can still
0: go to www.womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and and we do have lots of resources for both same-sex couples and, and also single women seeking a conception using donor sperm. Uh, But I always send patients to look at the Victorian Assisted Reproductive Treatment Authority or VARTA website because VARTA are the custodians of the donor register. And in Victoria, sperm donation, while it it is from a clinic-recruited donor perspective to some degree anonymous, um, when your child is 18 in Victoria, uh, they do have the right to seek identifying information about their donor and the register is how to find that information. So that means that when your child is 18, if they want to know who their donor is, they can uh, contact VARTA and they can find out the donor's identity. Now that donor doesn't necessarily consent to being contacted and um, the donor will have registered contact preferences. Many donors would be happy to be contacted but some may not wish to uh, and that's their prerogative. So
1: and that's all made clear at the time that they donate the sperm
0: yeah definitely. But also you know, as years pass, from what from when they donated, things might change. they might have a new relationship themselves, they might have had children themselves, they might have changed their minds. so so their current preferences would be at vata. Uh, and there are some other great uh, resources on the Varta website looking at like how to tell your kid that they're their donor conceived in the same sex. Kind of relationship, that's a fairly kind of early question to to tackle. and um, and I think even in other situations when when children are donor conceived, I mean the vast majority of evidence is if it's no secret, it's no shame. Mm-hmm. And that early disclosure to children uh, is the best practice and results in children who the donor conception is just part of their backstory. Kids are amazing and they accept, that reality really well and I think the thing that people have had as a controversy with donor conception in the past is when it's been a secret and when there have been issues to do with perceived dishonesty between parent and child. Um, Vata also offers a time to tell seminar and lots of resources about how to talk to babies about and children, young children about donor conception. There's even some gorgeous children's books about it you know, and both for an egg and sperm situation. And um, and I, I think that's great. So I, I highly recommend the resource. And if you're thinking about having a baby um, using donor conception, I'd strongly recommend you just Google Varta and have a look at their website.
1: Thank you for listening. And as Raylia said, you can find more information about same-sex conception and other fertility services on her website, womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and on all the socials under Women's Health Melbourne.